just listened to Rugby Podcast on the Planet. Coming to you on Spotify. Welcome to the Rugby Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod, I'm Andy Rowe, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual and we'll get into the Six Nations action shortly, especially after Wales fell just short of sealing the Grand Slam in Paris, but first, let's get straight into the important stuff shall we? How's your week been boys? I lost my blue tick on Twitter. Mate, what's happened? Have you sold your soul? Have you have you given it to someone else for money? What's going on Jim? You're at you're basically a nobody now. I tried to change my name on Twitter just over the weekend um, and it was, I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have done it, Andrew. It was stupid. It was silly. It was immature and it was just unprofessional considering we're with Spotify now and I'm not verified. So I've gone back <laughs> to the powers that be and I've got my towel between my legs nay, and uh, asked them whether I can be verified again. Of course, they've said, if you're not going to be verified, who the hell is? So um, <laughs> they're verifying me again. So that was a bit of drama. So I was panicking over the weekend. Uh, Scotland had a team run. We can talk about that. And Andrew, I've decided to hit a triathlon or a sprint triathlon. Let's call it a triathlon with Andy Rowe. And uh, a back train today, Andrew. I don't know if you saw it on Instagram where I have got a blue tick. Yeah, you had your, bo- your Borat suit on. I had my Borat suit and I did 15k on the bike and I effectively walked backwards for the other 4k in training. Absolutely horrendous. But my point being, can you believe it's been nearly two years since the last time I embarrassed myself and did one? Goody, because you are looking better and better as the days and the weeks go by. You almost look ill, like as in the, you look ill before, <laughs> you look ill now. Will you join us? It's at Aidan Dorney. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, the answer is still going to be a no, because uh, as you know, James, uh, not only did I have major surgery on my knee a couple of years ago, I'm recovering from major surgery on my ankle. And the, the positive to my surgeries is that I can never run again. Um, I could do the cycling, no problem. You see these videos, Andrew, that go viral on YouTube, though, of people dragging other people who can't run for whatever reason. We could do an emotive video. <laughs> you don't want you don't want me sat in the back of uh, some pull along cart where you've got to run with it after seeing your embarrassment of thinking you were running at about 30 miles an hour when you're walking backwards it was just embarrassing mate so very true but andrew would you would you let me pull you uh if you do the swim and the cycle i will pull you around please it's flat apparently <laughs> we could make a video and call it eaten mess get it and you could do the whole thing eating eating mess i just don't eat those calories i'm down my calorie intake's down i'm down to eight and a half kilos lost now um, so I lost another kilo this week. How do you lose a kilo in a week? <laughs> what? You- Just food intake, mate. Calorie deficit. I can teach you about this now. Now, do you I feel okay? A- do you feel okay? Do you have a headache and stuff or not? No, I feel good. I feel good. Like I'd love to eat a lot more chocolate. I mean, I'm missing it. I really am. But luckily, because I'm not actually getting around that much at the minute, I'm not dreaming of chocolate. And I think I've earned a chocolate bar here or there. I haven't. The star bars. I haven't had a star bar for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And I would love a star bar right now, trust me. Any alcohol? No, not drinking. In 2021, I have not had an alcoholic beverage. Cigarettes? No cigarettes, Jim. You know that. Vape? I don't smoke. Vape? <laughs> no, no vape. No vape. Plenty of Coke Zero Cherry, uh, but no no alcoholic beverages. Becoming boring. I just need a live show, and then I am going to cut loose like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, talk kebabs of, all around. 
Yeah, talking about live shows and everything, um, we announced a Spotify deal last week, and I must say, the amount of messages we've had uh, from fans and people and friends, um, it's just been unbelievable. Uh, so a massive thank you. I haven't been able to respond to absolutely every single message, but yeah, it was um, very humbling last week after we made the announcement. I was a little bit overwhelmed, I'll be honest, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday. I was exhausted. I had an adrenaline dump. On t- not literally, it's, it's just the same. What this is, it's what they say in the fitness industry when you have an adrenaline dump. And uh, yeah, so I air yeah, that big thank you to everyone who reached out. And, you know, from all quarters of the globe, of course, you know, we've gone worldwide, wide, 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 wide. And yeah, very humbling. We've just got to deliver now, haven't we? So I don't know. You know what? Yeah. The podcast is being released on Tuesday. I don't want to sensationalise a date. The 23rd of March, why is that an poignant day? I'll answer. I'll answer. Go on, Jim. You tell us. The day we went into lockdown last year, the 23rd of March. Can you believe it's been one year that we have been in this situation? Absolutely crazy. We're allowed to take that year off, aren't we? So I'm still 39. Is that right? 100% you are. But this is madness. Madness, this is China. <laughs> well, should we talk about some rugby then? Oh, please. I mean, we, we called the rugby pod, so should, we probably should. Ireland v England, we'll talk about that later on. But let's go straight to start the France Saturday night. Should Wales have been able to see it out, do you think? How good. Yeah, unbelievable game, wasn't it? Was it as good as Jono, Jamie Roberts and Sam Warburton made out? Like, they were making out as the best game they've ever seen. Jono. He must be out of contract with the BBC because he, <laughs> he put in his A-game. He put in his A-game. <laughs> That's the best I've ever seen him on TV. Yeah, he's good, Jono. It's, mate, it was, it was a phenomenal game. Back and forth. Um, loads of drama around decisions. The amount of times Wayne Barnes was involved with whether it was held up, whether it was a try. Um, and unfortunately for Wales, you talk about luck and what's happened. You know, you make your own luck sometimes. They've got... They got to get to round five with the the Grand Slam on the line. And unfortunately for them, their luck ran out towards the death. And, um, you know, fair play to France. Again, a French team of many a year gone by would have perhaps capitulated after the red card and being 10 points down. But things transpired. There can be a couple of complaints, I think, from the Welsh with a few decisions. Uh, Jim, Which you'll ones? know more about this than anyone. Penalty try when... Mohamed Hawass, how's that, Hawass? How's that, how is that? uh, When he's been yellow carded, cries for a penalty try, potentially. Liam Williams is yellow card as well at Mm. the end. Uh, Nigel Owens has come out and said it's not a yellow card. And I know Nigel Owens is Welsh, uh, but he's not going to put his referee in IQ on the line and say that's not a yellow card if he doesn't believe it was. I disagree with Nigel. He's a world-class referee, mate. So what do we Yeah, know? Yeah, very true. He's, he's <laughs> refereed a World Cup final. Um, and, and then obviously, when, when they... And the thing with Liam Williams, when he gets the yellow card, where do they score right at the death? They run out of one defender on the edge, which is where he would have been as the fullback. These is the margins. You think back to the Ireland game first up for them. You know, obviously, Peter O'Mahony gets uh, red-carded. The England game, a couple of things go their way. Uh, and it swings and roundabouts. I said it before, didn't I? Swings and roundabouts. You make your luck. They had a load of luck. And unfortunately, I wanted the Welsh to win. I really did. Um, but they ran out of luck in the end. And a couple of things went against them. Whereas in other games, they've had things go for them. And that's the game. The positive thing for me around Wales was that they could have, should have won that game. And on our, again, I don't know where this has come from. And I have to change my ways. I thought they were going to get hammered. Yeah, mate, it's... France, we, we, we've known they've been 
yeah, they've, they've had this much potential now for, well, basically since Sean Edwards walked up into the building and said, fucking smash them, fucking <laughs> it's some law, fucking smash them. Um, and they've become a very good team, not only because of him, but also because of the talent that they've got at their disposal with, you know, DuPont and, and players like that. But yeah, Wales will be gutted, won't they? It'll, people are saying it will take them years to get over this. It won't because they've come from the doldrums of where they were this time last year and they were bang average this time last year and uh, in the Autumn Nations Cup. And now they've got a lot of their players back into form and fitness. Um, as Wayne Pivak said, he's had a tough ride to start off with, but they're a decent team. Let's have a look at that uh, yellow card, Goody. You touched on it. Should it have been a penalty try to Wales? This is Jim. Over to you, Jim, because that I see that as a fat fly-off. I'm looking at that going, that is travelling at a rate of knots. Um, Howard Howas hasn't been able to get all the way back round. He's basically coming in, collapsed it. 100% yellow card. I'm saying penalty try, but Jim, you are the oracle on driving goers. Well, when it happened, I didn't think it was. So I didn't think you've got to go back for the penalty try. I think so much happened after that. and So much time elapsed. How many phases? Do we know how many phases were played well, no, after? Well, uh, well this is the thing. So, what happened, Jim, is from that breakout, it's when Lewis Rees-Summit does the ridiculous dive in the corner and they go to the TMO to check it. And that's, I think, why it wasn't given as a penalty try. Yeah, of course. And that, that's what I mean. There was so much drama around that. I mean, it is a penalty try, in my opinion. And that's the one I would say. We could talk about Liam Williams if you, if you want. I said I disagree with Nigel Owens. You know, you can't do what it looked like he did and was whack the ball out of the Pont's hands. It's like... If he's whacked his arm, it's where he's come from. He's just, he's dived over the rock. The thing for Liam Williams is he didn't need to do it. And I know there's been a massive fallout of all the abuse he's received on social media, which again is absolutely ridiculous. But he'll be frustrated with himself because he didn't need to dive over the rock like that. Whether it's a, a yellow card and a penalty or not, obviously referee's interpretation. And that's what you're opening yourself up to. Imagine you, Jim, having hindsight of all the penos you gave away in your career. Like you could do a four-year podcast just like relentlessly talking about all the pens and oh, I did that because of this. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, poor Liam Williams, you, you know, you do feel for him, but then again, you question his decision-making. Does he need to do it? Whenever a back three player is doing that, it also highlights it as well, doesn't it? Because you're not in that battle of a ruck and it opens yourself up to being penalised. And unfortunately for Wales, that was the one that really opened up the edge. Uh, and if you want to go to some real detail, if you look at the last couple of phases before they scored the try, you've got all the backs... George North eventually gets out to the far side, but you've got all the backs. So you've got both wingers, Lewis Rees-Samet and uh, Adams right by the touchline on the right-hand side. Halaholo is in there as well. Um, and Callum Sheedy is all around that breakdown. And when you're down to 13 men, you always need to try and have the pace on the outside. And unfortunately, Wales get caught out um, and couldn't close the game out. What do you make of the red card, Paul Williams's uh, red card and Fabian Galtier? commented afterwards saying that there was hardly any contact and that the Welsh players specialise in getting people sent off it's Wynne Jones again when I initially saw it I thought he dived I'll be honest because that's the person in me at the minute sat at home a year in lockdown is I I feel the worst in people when you watch it back and then you watch it back in slow-mo. And this is the thing around Twitter that everyone's got an opinion and we can go back and forth. You've got to remember, I'm one of the greatest rookers to have ever, ever done it. I know every <laughs> angle, every angle, every direction, every manipulation, 
that you need to clear a fellow human out. And every way of giving a penalty away at a breakdown, right? Exactly. Go in with two feet, go in one foot, go in with an elbow, go in with a knee. So I know all the angles in which to go into the ruck, legal or illegal. At any point in my 15-year career, I've never cleared someone out with my hand in their eye. <laughs> I've just... I, I've just Look, you know, it's easy to sit here and say... Oh, you know, it was accidental. and it, But it probably was accidental. I don't think that Willems has gone in. He's not got a history of going in and grabbing people by the eyes and gouging them. But it was a reckless thing to do. You can lose... We've spoken about it before. One of the worst injuries I've ever had is when me and Castro Giovanni, very different mechanism, went to die for a tackle and his fingers got into the back of my eyeball and I've pulled it out and he's, he's torn my eyelid. I've had to have my eyelid reconstructed. I've had a finger in my eye before. I've been gouged on purpose. There is no worse feeling than that. And it's a ruck, right? You don't grab people around the heads for one. However, you know, Phillips is one of the most physical locks in the world. He is. But, you know, for me, it's intentional that he's grabbed him in the face. Only he knows whether or not it's intentional. It's happened so fast that he's caught him in the eye. But these people saying that it's a ridiculous red card, you need to go check yourself. Like, we're talking about all the concussion stuff. And poor Wynne Jones has been on the end of it, hasn't he? Xander Fagerson, the clear out for Scotland. uh, And he goes down. And uh, obviously, we know what happened to Xander. But there's not even a part of me that's like, yeah, hmm, it's a 50-50 or even close. Uh, In Paul Willems' defence, I don't think he's meant to get him by the eye at all. He's gone for an aggressive clear out and it's one of those ones where I think he's trying to clear him out. He's ended up with his hand over his, around his neck and, you know, it's a split second where he's just grabbed what he can. And unfortunately for him, the fact that he's gone around his neck and head, you then run the risk of something worse happening. So that in itself, going around the neck is a penalty anyway. And then if you have made contact with the head directly to your shoulder, you, you run the risk of a red card anyway on, on just the clear out. So for him... Um, it's reckless. I don't think he had any intention of of hooking the eye. I really don't. Um, I don't think he's that sort of player from what I've heard about him. Yes, he's abrasive um, and likes hoeing into rocks as hard as he can. But again, it's you put yourself in the position of and run the risk of that happening, which has. And he's, his fingers, it doesn't look great at all as a picture. His fingers are in his eye. There's no question about it. It's a red card. I completely agree with that. I don't think there's a, potentially the intent to do that, but that doesn't matter now. Um, where it's been re- it's reckless contact with the eye area, which is why he's been sent off. So the red card is the right decision. The thing for me, for Fabian Gautier to say what he said is crazy, um, saying that no, the Welsh players are specialising in getting people sent off. But it's something I raised here a few weeks ago. And you go back to the Thomas Francis one against Pete Omani. Thomas Francis got hit in the face. He's rolled around the floor. Play goes on. He gets back up and gets in the defensive line. And then when play stops, he goes down. There's a lot of appealing going on now, and you can see it. it happens in every team. I'm not saying it happens in the Welsh team at all, but what it's doing is you're seeing a behaviour now. Johnny Sexton complained to the referee about Ellis Genge's elbow in his face. There's a lot of that that seems to be creeping in the game. And I think, you know, Fabian Gautier's comments that Welsh players are specialising in getting people sent off is ridiculous. But the game and the players need to, and referees, we need to find a balance between going down the football route of appealing for everything and letting the TMOs do his job. Because, you know, look at the Josh Bassett incident on Friday night, um, where he, in my opinion, there's deliberate eye contact from Carreras, the Newcastle winger, and he reports it to the touch judge. And then the, the TMO 
Graham Hughes, who I think was definitely having to poo throughout a lot of that game. You know, it doesn't get reported. You can't then check for foul play if the game's restarted. That's a law that needs to change. Um, you know, that might stop players appealing as much uh, because they know they've got a very short window to say that this has happened. My head's, I've been hit in the head. I've been grabbed by the eye, the testicles, whatever, whatever, because the game can't, once the game's restarted, you can't go back and check foul play. So Fabian Galtier's comments are crazy, but there is an underlying theme for me at the minute where players are appealing more and more for things to be looked at. And just lastly, on France, we've talked them up an absolute storm, rightly so. In some big games, Varmahina, World Cup, Elbow, Howis, um last year against Scotland, punched Jamie Ritchie in the face. I'll have a punch, mind. And <laughs> the red card in, in this one as well. So the, clearly, there's still a little bit of the French, in the French, of course, but we're talking about them for the World Cup in a couple of years' time. Look at me telling them, you've got to sort your discipline out, lads. <laughs> <laughs> How ironic, AJ. Eh, I know, How very. Ironic. France have to beat Scotland with a try bonus point and by 21 points or more in Paris. Let's let's flip reverse it. Scotland have got to beat France with a bonus point and we can finish second, I think. Yeah, but no one's really looking at that, Jim, because we know that ain't going to happen. But that's what I'm looking at. I'm thinking <laughs> we could have had our highest... Fa- Everyone's talking about France or Wales winning it. Scotland... We can finish second, I think. Don't look, look, I'm not a stat man. Producer Tim's kind of nodding, but he's on an R and there's a lot of permutations. <laughs> look at that word, Spotify. Um, but it's going to be tough. It's there was obvi- I, I, Personally, let, let's go back. Let's rewind to the Waffle Monsters. Scotland should have had a bonus point win against France and we would be sitting in second and Welsh people would be crowned champions. Well, their players would, but the people would as well because we know how much it means to them. You're basically saying that you should have been gifted a, a bonus point victory. As we did nothing wrong. I know you didn't, but when we started the tournament, uh, these parameters, and it's the same as the tournament last year that got delayed, these parameters just weren't in place, James. There wasn't a hard and fast rule. Uh, look, let's talk parameters and let's talk about England finishing second from bottom. Second terrible. from bottom. They basically got the wooden spoon because Italy aren't anything now. England got the wooden spoon. It's rid- we did. With the quality of players they've got, it is ridiculous. We've partnered up with the awesome Pat Coffee guys again this week. If you haven't tried them yet, they deliver flexible and incredible tasting coffee plans directly to your door. They source the best coffee and pay coffee farmers above the fair trade baseline. There's no hidden postage charges. And if you order before 1 p.m. on Monday to Friday, your order will be with you the very next day. It's also letterbox friendly, so you don't need to be at home waiting for your coffee. And we've got a discount code for you as well to get your first bag from just £1.95. So just head to packcoffee.com, that's P-A-C-T coffee.com, and enter the code RUGBY at the checkout. The code is valid when you create a packed coffee plan, so it's for new customers only, so it's definitely worth going to check out. Goody, what went wrong with England and Dublin? My word. Again, not just Dublin. What has gone wrong with them the whole show? Second from bottom. They've done, <laughs> they've done an Italy, haven't they? Or a Scotland. I mean, an Italy. We've done it, we've Second done, from bottom. A, mate, we've done a Scotland. Um, no, I mean, literally, no excuses. We got out-muscled, out-thought, tactically. Um, you know, I've scrum. been saying it for... Yeah, Scrum got dominated at set-piece. Yeah, we lost our composure. Our kicking game was poor as it has been. Everything that everyone's been talking about just came back to right in the picture, didn't it? Because we beat France last week and that first half against France last week was brilliant. And then actually, when you look back on it, second half, we, we, we get the victory towards the end. If we'd lost that game, and I said it last week, 
France had an opportunity at 20 points to 13 up to score. We lose that game. And then you're thinking, does that France victory mask what's gone on? Because Eddie Jones and the messages that are coming out of his mouth around, oh, we finished the Six Nations better than we started. No, we didn't, Eddie. We got hosed by Ireland and at the end... And at the start, we got hosed by Scotland. And no, I, you got I, you got obliterated by Scotland. You didn't get hosed. <laughs> you got absolutely obliterated by Scotland. So he's right. I believed that comment. What he said, I was nodding. <laughs> I was like, if I don't believe you about anything else, Eddie, I believe you on that note. But it, it boils back to what everyone's been saying, right? And I said at the start, you can only really judge. And we said it after the first game. You can only really judge on team selection whether all the boys that hadn't played much rugby should have been playing after a game. And against Scotland, most of the Saracens boys, bar Marrow, were bang average. A third of your team, that is. People think it's a bandwagon for the likes of Marcus Smith and Sam Simmons and Alex Dombrandt. These boys are bang in form and it just shows you. Eddie Jones thought that these guys, he can train them up to the intensity that you need to play international rugby. It's our worst Six Nations Ever. <laughs> the only other time we finished fifth was 2018 under Eddie Jones. Mate, I played for England and I was I was uh, not even bang average. I was shite. Played for England. We didn't finish worse than fourth, I don't think, when I played. We won the reverse triple crown. So we lost to Scotland, Ireland and Wales. It's never happened in the Six Nations. Triple spoon, as me mates at So Beer called it. Oh, yeah, it's a yeah. triple spoon. Yeah, basically, you've won three spoons. You won them. <laughs> um, I think our discipline record, we gave the most penalties away ever in a Six Nations. So bad. Equal to Italy. Shocking. Uh, we conceded the most points we've ever conceded awful, in a Six awful. Nations. <laughs> um, and our attack was, apart from 40 minutes against France, our attack was... Pretty bang average. France, who were coming right just off COVID, so they were all crook. Plus, you should have lost to Italy as well. There was a turning point in the Italy game when Farrell uh, put his shoulder into the into the back of the scrum half and then we intercept and go the length when actually... Um, no, listen, we were never going to lose to Italy. It, it, there's a massive, massive question mark. Everyone's been asking the questions, but Eddie's relied on, oh, mate, we made the World Cup 2019, the final, mate. We were great. And yes, we won the Six Nations last year and we won the Autumn Nations Cup, but we've been on this decline. And everyone's been saying it except for Eddie Jones. Um, he talks about we're going through a transition period. What transition period are we going on about, Eddie? A transition period. I'll tell you when a transition period was. After we won the World Cup in 2003 and all those boys retired, a transition period is when shags like me got to play. That's a transition period, right? The boys in the England squad, 11 of them, I think, started the World Cup final in 2019. So that ain't a transition period, Eddie. But here's the big thing. So it's always been Eddie, Eddie's way or the highway, right? We know he's an autocratic kind of leader. Uh, anyone that questions him, uh, you know, falls by the wayside. Danny Kerr went and had a one-on-one with him and, and asked him some questions around why he couldn't play with the starting team. Never seen again. Yeah, there was a number of players that's happened to. Chris Ashton didn't want to be in the squad because he didn't like the environment and it was Eddie's way or the highway. And I get, listen, coach is prerogative. But when you finish fifth and had your worst ever Six Nations and um, you know there's going to be a review, Eddie Jones has got complete autonomy. Look at the turnover of coaches. Look at the turnover of backroom staff that have been there in his six-year tenure so far. And you look at it, and he did an interview with Lawrence Dalio um, a couple of years ago, and he said where he got it wrong with Australia is he overstayed what he should have done. He should have been there four years and left. Is a four-year cycle, mate. The window, mate, of when an international coach can have the big... That's gone. Um, but he's, I don't know, I did some, uh, a virtual 
Q&A over the weekend with a couple of lads over in Ireland. And Gordon Darcy was one of them. And he actually said, I didn't think it was possible to dislike the English anymore. But then they put Eddie Jones as the head coach and it makes it even greater to dislike England. So, um, yeah, mate, back to the drawing board. And I said it, you know, George Ford shouldn't be in that England squad on form. There's a lot of players that shouldn't be in that England squad on form, yet they still get picked. Um, and there needs to be a massive overhaul, I think, of of staff. Um, you've got your attack coaches, and no disrespect to these guys, Simon Amor's been in the sevens game for many, many years, never coached at 15s. Ed Robinson, Andy Robinson's son, might be an innovative skills coach, but this isn't top tier. And I don't mean to be, I'm not blaming them. How are they going to challenge Eddie Jones in Eddie Jones's environment and say, we should be picking Marcus Smith or we need to attack a different way or you know stop kicking it away. They haven't got the power to because Eddie Jones shouts people down uh, and they're just happy to keep their job. So it's it's an environment that, that isn't, for me, from the outside looking in, it's not a high-performance environment. It's an Eddie Jones environment that you know tries to work everyone to the bone. Uh, and you see it in the players. Players didn't look energised, did they? Just don't look very good. Just it's it's cra- when I'm watching it, it's crazy because I'm looking at it and you your crash ball is Faz. It's Farrell going up as your crash ball, who's a slender ten. Yeah, and like you're doing a switch move, you're getting held up. The celebrations are around Farrell putting Bundiaki into touch with Johnny May just, and then apart from that, I don't, you know, Marrow stand out really. I don't see you know Anthony Watson saw glimpses against France where he looked class. Yeah. Curry looks good. But apart from that, again, look, I can say this because I'm mates with some of the lads in the team. Well, I was until I maybe say this. A large part of it, I think, revolves around the Saracens thing and what's happened to Saracens. I've spoken about it before, the backbone of the team, the emotion around that. No fans in stadiums, which everyone has got and everyone's managed to deal with. But Eddie's mentioned that and said that that's a thing. Faz being captain, I personally don't think he's the right guy. And then... What are the team and Delalio and, and whatever Delalio, you know, someone like Lawrence Delalio says this statement where it's, it's harder to get dropped from the England squad. That's Delalio saying that. This is a guy that put his heart and soul into the England shirt. He is well placed to be able to see that, but it's the truth. You look at it like there's lads in that team that, are, that just aren't playing well. And for whatever reason, it's a closed shop. And you're talking about one of the best rugby teams in the world. The biggest pool of players, the richest union, the best players to choose from. I don't, and it, you know, David Walsh brought out um, a piece at the weekend, Goody, and there was parts of it where I was like, he was right. I'm, we're newish into the media. I'm newish into the media. And it's easy just to let things roll off the tongue. Sexton's done. Alan Wynne Jones shouldn't be captain. <laughs> Eddie Jones shouldn't be England coach. And I regret some of the things I've said. And look who looks stupid now. And when I. I left David a, a voice note today. When I think back on it, I kind of say things emotion-driven, but also opinion-driven, but then looking at the lay of the land. Was I wrong on Sexton? Arguably, yes. You could say he's the starting Lions 10 now. Alan Wynne-Jones, you could arguably say he's Lions captain. No biggie. <laughs> but I can't stand with it when with Eddie Jones. It's like you're the head, not just of England, but of these premiership clubs in terms of managing the, these players, managing their expectations. And none of them, none of them, none of the players that are playing well. Look at Sam Simmons. You can see he is livid, right? And is he deluded? No, because you've got people like Delalio, You've got Jono. 
Hamilton, you've got three legends <laughs> saying that he should be in and around the squad and he's not. He's not even in the squad. And I, I tell you, it was nice to see George Martin come on for England running around. I thought, he, you know, he looked good. He, he put a really good shot when he come on. How have you got George Martin coming on to the pitch? No disrespect. I want, him to, I want to see him get 200 caps for England. Saw him play for the academy. How have you got him coming on ahead of someone like Sam Simmons? Eddie Jones doesn't speak to some of the Premiership directors of rugby, and I know that for a fact. He hasn't spoken to them in months, so he doesn't talk to them about the players. Um, and when you say it's Eddie's way or the highway, that's it. He doesn't. You see him at Premiership games, but he doesn't value, clearly doesn't value, form in the Premiership, and he said that. What's the point then? All he values in his mind is what he thinks he sees in a player in his environment. And, you know, when you're the boss, you've got every right to pick whoever you want. But when you finish fifth in the Six Nations, is it sackable? Well, I'd tell you now, if it wasn't Eddie Jones and it wasn't the situation we're in now with COVID and um, the financial ramifications, if there was another option to go to and it was anyone else, they'd get sacked. Stuart Lancaster finished second, I think, in three consecutive Six Nations or something along those lines. Jono won the Six Nations. Yeah, and got to a World Cup, called a final, got sacked. I, I don't know. Eddie Jones is going to be here for until 2023. He's got a break clause in his contract, doesn't he? Yeah, but there's no... The, the, I mean, he's got a break clause in his contract, but then you're looking at it on, around performance, but you're looking at where'd you go? So the obvious candidate in, the, in England is Rob Baxter. Is he going to leave Exeter now? He said no. Do you think they speak to him or not? Do you think he's, he's having no a chance. conversation or not? No. no. And, and and this is the thing. When you go, like so Bill Sweeney, who's the CEO of, of the RFU, says they're going to do a review. We need to know who's on that review team. We, you need some rugby I, IQ in there where they can, Jim's putting his hands up, <laughs> where you can you know understand environments. You can understand what winning looks like in an England shirt. Tick, or, tick. You know, in an international jersey. Um what they're going to do, I think, is do a review, come out and say, yeah, we're all going to work harder, get better. But the, the, the usual taglines. But Eddie Jones needs to be held accountable for absolutely everything. At the minute, he's just got free reign. What he came out with at the back end of last week around uh, the press of rat poison getting in their heads, in the players' heads, I'm sat there going, what are you on about? Well, Eddie, you're an absolute clown sometimes, but other times you're obviously, you know, top end of understanding how to read a situation. He misreads more situation than he, situations than he reads, Eddie Jones. And you, know, it, you need accountability. There's no accountability. Which coaches are going to stand up to Eddie Jones and go, mate, we're doing this wrong. We need to change this. Um, we should be picking these premiership players. And there's millions of England fans out there that are so kind of disenfranchised now with the England team because of Eddie Jones and the way he's running it that... Um, you're probably glad and they're probably glad there's no spectators in the stadium at the minute because they'd be getting pelters well if as Eddie Jones says they are resetting what players is he resetting who's going to go oh the scrum's an issue so have you look at that England scrum's an issue okay so take from that what you will and I feel awful saying it um, what, what are you saying Jim Mako's done I, I don't think he's done but yeah, you've got to have a scrum or at least have a relationship with the referees around the scrum. Mako, for whatever reason, whether or not it's right or wrong, I thought Ty Furlong, there was definitely a couple of times, there was definitely a couple of times where Furlong was pulling out on the set and uh, Mako was getting pinged. And we saw the World Cup final around that as well. 
you know, Marla's a fantastic scrummager, but Mako does so much around the pitch. Genji came on and got hosed in that scrum, didn't he? Um, in the second half when Tyke Furlong's given it the big fucking licks and deservedly so. I mean, he is, he's got skinnier arms than me, arguably, Ty Furlong, <laughs> but he can skip and dance. It doesn't matter. Uh, who else? Who else is there? I mean... Mate, George Ford. George Ford. Got to go. <laughs> no. Mate, honestly, Marcus Smith is playing ridiculously well and we yeah. need to see other people in these opportunities. Like, you've got... You know, there's there's never really been looking outside of his circle, right? So, Jim's going through the forwards and you mentioned my, George Ford goes missing in big games. Look at him at the weekend. So I read somewhere before the game and someone, I can't remember where I read it, but someone said, oh, it's a straight shootout between Sexton and George Ford for the Lions. I'm like, which sort of what sort of clowns were in that? George Ford isn't anywhere near close it, to being. It on might the have been trip. me. It might have been me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you, you talk about Lions fly halves. So you've got obviously Sexton, Farrell, bigger. Called it Sexton. Called it. Called it from the start. Finn Russell as well. Different fly halves for different reasons, but you know, you need to see Marcus Smith. We've never had a um, you know a scrum half come through since Danny Care's gone and to challenge Ben Youngs. So. We need to see the likes of Harry Randall. We need to see Ben Spencer. We need to see Dan Robson. Not just give him 10 minutes here or there. And this is the big thing about a regeneration. I'm not saying bin any players off. What we need to see is other people given the opportunity. And that's what's not happened. So Mark Wilson, um, you know, I love Wilson, played with him at Newcastle. Great bloke. Works harder than anyone I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, but do we need to see Don Brandt or Simmons given an opportunity? How long can Wilsh go on for at that level? I'm not writing him off. He should. I'm not saying these players should never play for England again, but we want to and need to see other people given the opportunity. We should talk up Ireland though, shouldn't we, Andrew? I mean, yeah, we can't... yeah, mate. Ireland were phenomenal. Algus Henshaw. Mate, Henshaw's not only he's a big boy, powerful, defensive reads were great. Um, you know, Sexton, let's, you know, Conor Murray and Sexton, people have written them off. Jim Hamilton's written Sexton off time after time. So, I'm sorry. The way he controlled the game and the balance of play uh, and mixing the kicking game, stepping up at first receiver, not taking the world on himself, allowing the big ball players to run. His kicking game was on point. So it's not just about a kicking game. It's about the accuracy of the kick. Um, their control was phenomenal. Keith Earls, one of the most underrated players in international rugby. Definitely. Um, you know, Conan at number eight, the hands for that try where it's he's probably got about five millimetres above curry but he's got the dexterity and the gaelic football skills whatever call it what you will just to pat it back down and it was a planned move if you've got a name called conan jack conan and the barbarians you best be good and he is good you see him in the wide channels as well how quick he is and how well he carries in those wider channels yeah i've seen him for leinster he's it may, he's class yeah the lads talk talk about him highly so but you, you talk about that try with keith earls who played exceptionally well why why have they spotted that so they've spotted that because they take out the hooker. So Luke Karandicki has to go and defend with George Ford because they know that's a massive weakness. Um, so he defends tight to George Ford. That means that Ben Young's, the scrum off, is in the channel at the front of the line out. Curry was at the back of the line out. He's gone on the overshoot on the inside. Who's there? Billy Vanapola and Mako are the two guys. So they've obviously seen this weakness. And the weakness is because Luke Karandicki, the hooker, has to go and defend with George Ford because they know he's a defensive weak spot. And they know England will compete in the line-out as well. You know, Ireland were brilliant. Uh, and it's not all about England being bad. England were bad because Ireland made them look bad. They've got strength and depth now as well. Look at Ian Henderson. He's so good. Ian Henderson yeah. and Ty Byrne. My Ty goodness Byrne. me. My God, Ty Byrne it was ridiculous in everything. I don't know. Fair play to Ireland is all I'm saying. And it's going to be interesting now 
because there is a Lions tour. We've seen Gats up in the crowd. It looks like Gats with his eyes. Um, I should know. Because before this, you would have said that the backbone of that Lions tour, because Wales were ageing, because Sexton was finished. What are you on about? Exactly. What am I on about? Because Scotland are poo, even though we could finish second. After these England lads that we thought were going to go, you, you think if you're going to talk about it and what Gatland picks on, they're not going to go. I just hope that Gatland doesn't do an Eddie Jones and go with what he thinks might work against South Africa, which there will be an element of that. And he actually goes with some of the lads like Ty Byrne, they're all talking up, like him who have performed in this championship. A lot of England players played themselves off the... I was going to say playing, but I don't think we'll be flying to South Africa. Uh, we might be. The bus. Playing them... Uh, really? There's you talk of South. Else. Well, there's talk of South Africa. Yeah, it's uh, advanced talks in South Africa is what I'm hearing. But again, I said, but I said that Johnny Sexton's finished and Alan Wynne Jones should retire. So do not take a word I'm saying. Yeah, and you go back to Eddie Jones's point, and one of his points, he he wanted twenty players, twenty England players, to be on the Lions tour. If you finish second from bottom, you can't pick two. That's you can't. Well, that's what normally happens with Scotland, right? They get two players. Um, but because you can't they finish ten, second from bottom. Yeah, you can't name 10 players now from England that have played their way onto the Lions trip. Um, and, you know, some of the guys, you know, you think about, and, and generally I don't mean to bring it back to the Saracens thing, but you think about Billy Vanapola, Mako Vanapola, Jamie George, uh, Mara Toji, Owen Fowle, Elliot Daly. Those six players, they're now playing Champo rugby. That's their only ruggers now. Unless some of them go on loan somewhere or something else happens, they're playing championship rugby before the Lions tour. Now, you've seen the difference between playing no rugby and then going to the Six Nations. I think the only one, maybe two that you can, I don't know, how many can you pick from that lot? Oh, just one, I reckon. Marrow, that's it. Does Owen Farrell get picked? Well, we've heard the England side of things, but we can now get a positive Irish view on what happened on Saturday and the tournament as a whole. Ireland Ford and one of the players of the tournament, Ty Byrne, joins us. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Very good. Thanks for having me. Ty, thanks for coming on, mate. A couple of days after that test match. Let's just get one thing straight, okay? And either way, you're going to have to agree with us. You're a friend of the show. You're a big listener of the pod, aren't you? And that's what I'm hearing from your mates. They're telling me. Yeah, massive listener. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be on Spotify next year anyway. So just to let you know, I don't know if you heard the big news last week. Jeez, congrats. Well, I do I do see uh, the odd time that you're, you're number one or number two in the L.A. Uh, sports podcast so you're obviously doing something right that's for sure let's talk through Saturday then uh, as an Englishman um, it was hard watching from from our point of view but the Ireland team the Ireland squad especially off the back of the the last four games that uh, England have played against Ireland when we seem to have had the wood over you um, it went perfectly to plan right because you boys absolutely took us to the cleaners yeah look it went, it went obviously very well for us it's um, I think it was a massive week for us um, as, as a squad, you know, we probably spoke a lot about building on our performances after the first two losses of the campaign. And then um, with CJ's announcement, that was kind of a little bit of extra in, uh, sort of motivation for everyone to kind of finish finish off with a big, with a big game for him. Um, you know, he's been a massive servant to the green jersey. So for us to, to put in the performance um, like we did at the end was was great for him too. Yeah, did that come as a bit of a, a shock, his announcement? It kind of, well, it took me a bit for, a, by surprise, especially with how well that he's playing. I mean, were the whispers in, in, in the squad um, that that could potentially happen? No, um, it was very much on the, on the QT. You know, with CJ, sometimes he, he was saying he was leaving, but like 
joking half like he'd always laugh afterwards but then he was playing keeping his cards uh close to his chest for sure um we all thought he was spoofing to be honest whenever he did say that he was like oh i don't know what i'll do next year um so yeah it was a big shock like a lot like i think i'd say probably 95 percent of the lads in the irish team were like when he stood up to make a team announcement no one was actually i was actually expecting him to come out and say he was retiring so um yeah, it was a bit of an emotional one for for everyone, and uh, yeah, sort of will be sad to see him go. But what a career! Yeah, he seems to be really well liked within the squad, and I think externally, when he initially got announced in the Irish squad, and you and you hear a bit about his backstory coming coming to Munster, not being in the squad, can't barely speak English or or Irish, but you look at the emotion around the players that have for him. He seems like a really well liked guy in the squad. Yeah, and I tell you. It, it, comes down to his work work rate like he's uh he he leaves everything out there every time he plays you know and he's bought massively into the monster culture and the irish culture and i think that's probably just why he's gelled so well with everyone and um you know he's an absolute gentleman off the field um he'd have time for anyone um you'd see him talking to everyone and anyone um on the streets and everything so uh he's just one of those people who's who's just got a really good nature about him yeah, he sounds like a good bloke. But did you actually think it was banter that he was just trying to get his contract up a bit higher by saying, um... <laughs> Yeah, we were saying that we thought he was holding him out just to scare, as a scare tactic, but. Uh... <laughs> Fair play to him. Fair. Well, let's talk about the game then. Obviously, um, tactically, uh, where did you look to target England? Because there were clearly, you know, it was a massive uh, difference in the performances from Ireland of the, over the last few years against England. Set piece was huge. The line out tactically was was brilliant. Two two big parts that you played in that. Um, can you give us some insight into where you targeted England? Um, I think and credit to the coaches. You know they came up with that play. Um, the the one where Earlsy scored. Um, kind of seen a seen a bit of a like a bit of space in that area, and you know that couldn't have worked any better for us. Um, we you know we came back on one of our plays as well, um, back against the grain, and I think Handy made a bit of a break there as well. So you know they they did their homework and they certainly uh, our, our set piece uh, delivered um, in that area. And then other than that, it was just for us. It was kind of just about being about being direct and not being afraid to play. You know, I think the last time we played them, we weren't. I don't think we were a bit too. Uh, you know, I suppose we were just one-off carries and we weren't given the passes as if we were we were almost afraid to tip the ball on or throw that that 10 meter pass for the backs and stuff so we have big emphasis this week and not being afraid to play and just just going after the game and obviously we, we managed to do that I think we had a bit of a dodgy first 20 minutes but once we got going um, we were pretty pleased it certainly worked and one of the things that you might need to improve on and it's not a playing side it's more the social media because I've seen an interview with Simon Easterby that's come out when pre-match they're practicing the line out that Elsie scores the try off anyway. So England didn't pick that up, but the social the social media guy needs to work on his game and not put the best move in yeah, the background. We only found that out when we're uh, after the game. Someone said it, and we were just laughing about it. We were usually very tidy and that kind of stuff in terms of not showing anything. So I'd say someone might get a slap on the wrist for that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
There's a lot of talk as well, Ty, when you play against England, any team, it's about the physicality. You mentioned um, the physicality of them. We saw the game last year as well. Do you go into that game a little bit scared about how physical they can be, knowing that you need to be physical, but you need a bit of innovation? We spoke about the line out off the kickoff as well, the turnover you got on Marrow, your potential Lions vice-captain if you're captain uh, on this tour. But um, what is the build-up to the England game? Is, is, Is there that added kind of tactics around their physicality but trying to be innovative as well and it all paid off Paul O'Connor we'll give him a shout out <laughs> I wouldn't say scared that's probably a strong word like uh, if you're going into any game scared you probably shouldn't be playing in it really that's why I retired because I was scared <laughs> by the I was scared by the end mate mate you, you haven't played with Jim Hamilton as you second him I'm scared he gave 20 penalties away a game when I played with him <laughs> Ty's played you've played against me haven't you Ty I remember playing against you I don't know if you remember playing against me you don't have a clue you, 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 there's no way if you did play against me you remember playing against me <laughs> 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 I booked as you in the street you didn't have a clue who I was but it's because you've got a scrum, a scrum cap on I remember I had this lad in Ireland nodding at me he was just nodding at me and it was like I couldn't work I was like is that it? he knows me he knows me and then now 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 that you've made it and you've got four or five man of the matches in a row I know you I know who you are and you know me so but how is it playing Ty in, in the team Paul O'Connell's come in a bit of innovation around and you can see it's easy to say oh Ireland's line out's good Paul O'Connell's come in that's the reason why but you've got some quality players in that quality line out forwards but the innovation as well obviously we mentioned Keith Hill's tried but what's um, Paulie added to the squad you know he came in and uh, he very much he sat us down and I think we had a bit of he called us in for a meet we must have been in there for almost three hours talking just about line outs um, he was just kind of getting a feel for how we did things before he arrived and I think from the first week to the last week just each week he kind of brought in what he was he his own his own stamp on a few things. Um so at the start it was very much let us control it, see how we got on and then uh, as he went on he brought he came, he kind of came into it a lot more and because he didn't want to throw too much at, too much at us from the get go. Um but as the weeks went on and I think you've probably seen that airline out improved um as as it went on, especially defensively as well. It was really good and you know with cheese and um sorry James Ryan and Ian Henderson, the two of them they're really intelligent, you know. Uh, James Ryan is, is is very smart in terms of coming up with uh, line-out plans defensively and then, um, you know, Henderson in terms of attack. So, you know, b- between the two of them and Paul O'Connell, I think, uh, you know, our line-out was pretty strong this, this campaign. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, there's been a bit of chat in the Irish press as well around a bit of pressure on the coaches and obviously moving on from Joe Schmidt and the changes that have been made. Um you only kind of see differences when you're inside the circle, right? When you're in the squad and how things are evolving. And it's easy for press and people to jump on a bandwagon once you've lost to Wales and France. But yeah. you guys could see clearly, um, you know, the differences that were being made in camp. And do, do you think the result at the weekend and the performance really just goes to show that, um, you know, these guys are the right guys to lead the squad forward and, you know, there is massive progress? Absolutely, yeah. I think, um, you know, I think... We- the squad we have in there, like there, there's an incredible bunch of talent in there, and uh, the players that are playing there, are seriously, seriously good. You know, I don't, I just think at times it wasn't clicking for us. And in fairness to Faz and to, and the rest of the coaching staff, like they they kept like making small adjustments and trying to get their stamp on it. And I think as the as we played more, we we were a bit more on par and what they were looking for. And, we were getting there and um, look, I think 
they're going to bring even more as the uh, as they continue coaching Ireland. I think we're only going to get better from here. And talking of better, you must be happy with the way you're playing. You must be satisfied with your performances. I'm only joking. You must be very very happy I don't know whether you read or you listen to the hype you know your mates must tell you your family must tell you everyone's talking about you at the minute and you know that's credit to the way that you're playing you go about your business quietly you pick up your man of the matches after and just give a few lines and go home and rock up the next week and do it all again but do you feel that around the media do you feel the um the momentum gathering people talking about you it'd be lying if I said I didn't um you try to avoid it as much as you can you know I think Probably if you asked me this probably two years ago, three years ago, I'd probably be listening to everything. But um, as you learn, it kind of can get in your head a little bit and you almost avoid it as much as you can then. Um, so, but of course, you know, like parents and stuff would obviously be, be reading up on every single thing they can and trying <laughs> to play it. I'm just like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, look, in terms of personally, look, my target going into the Six Nations was... Just to try and get into the starting to the starting team, you know, I I haven't ever had a run of games of starting with Ireland, and to be honest, I didn't think when I was going into going into the start of the Six Nations, I I knew Ian Henderson was back fit, so my presumption was that I'd probably be 24, 24 man again because Quinn Rue. Nothing did. wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because Quinn Rue was there as well, and then unfortunately for him, he had, he picked up a bit of a knock, so he had to go home. And um, to my surprise, I was told I was going to be starting the first game, and uh, you know, I knew it was a massive opportunity, and um, I just did everything I could to try and keep my place. And thankfully for for me, um, I managed to manage to do that and continue to do that throughout Six Nations. And obviously, that's what I'm most pleased about is that I managed to put in performances good enough to retain my, my my spot yeah I don't think mate it's just about retaining your spot you were phenomenal and you were that good basically Jim and I are going to name you Lions captain um, on this <laughs> podcast but don't read it don't listen to it one of the ones uh, I once talked about there is a Lions tour coming up of course and you can't get away from that and I know you're going to say it would be a dream to get on it but your versatility playing back row and second row um, I'm looking my partner in crime Jim Hamilton he was an international second row, but he could never have played in the back row. Uh, which one do you prefer? Are you bothered where you play? Um, and is there you know, much of a difference these days because the athleticism of second rows is, is very similar to back rows of old, isn't it? Yeah, I, like I would say there's a difference. And like I think it's very much, if you, if you ask me if I prefer second row or back row, in the systems that I do play at the moment, I prefer second row purely because... I feel like I can get involved in the game a little bit more. Um, now, that's not to say in a different like system in terms of like, I don't know, if you were to play for England or Scotland or something, that they may have a different kind of way that they want the six to play. So you might be involved even more than the second rows. But at the moment, I definitely do prefer playing in the row purely because I feel like I can kind of get myself involved into the game earlier and... Um, get my hands on the ball and stuff so well Warren will be listening to this and it'll be great to know that he knows now that second row is your preferred position he was in <laughs> camp he, he was in camp with you lads last week did you have a, a nod at him did he look at you did he chat to you or was it just head down you must have looked at him when he was in training you must have looked at him to see if he'd give you a nod that's what I did but in 2013 he didn't look at me but 
No, in fairness to, to Aaron, he came in and he, he had a little chat in the in the huddle after the after training, but that's all we pretty much seen of him. He kinda he he was watching from the sideline with our um team manager and then afterwards he kinda went off with the coaching staff, so we didn't have much exchanges with him at all. Tough one to answer that because we know um, there's going to be so many questions coming up over the next couple of months around selection and everything. But uh, no rest of the wicked, really, because you had a massive performance against England at the weekend. This weekend, you go into the Guinness Pro 14 final uh, against your big rivals, Munster against Leinster. Um, You've gone into battle with them. Now you're going to go to battle against them this weekend. Are you looking forward to that? Yeah, big time. I thought it was a bit strange when everyone was leaving on Sunday morning there. Majority of us were like, yeah, we'll see you next week. So um, it's uh, it's a bit of a strange one, but look, it's it's a massive opportunity for Munster. I think it's probably our first, uh, it's a proper opportunity for us to win silverware for the first time in what, 10 years, I think it is. So um, there's a lot of lads uh, chomping at the bit to, to, to play next weekend and hopefully we'll be able to, to finally lift the trophy. Well, big shout out to Graham Roundtree, Wigsville as well. Give him a hello from us. He's a fr- listening to the show, so he, he'll be listening to this anyway. We know what the crack is. <laughs> How are you getting on with Graham Rancher, actually? Because, um, you know, obviously we, we know him pretty well. He's a good coach, good bloke. Um, he's got some horrific ears, but any nick- any nicknames going down for him in Ireland? Uh, no, just call it just Wig, really. He, he goes with that. Um, but, yeah, no, he's class coach in fairness to him. He's been a massive help to me as well since he's come in um, and I, he's really bought into it I think he loves it here so I don't think he'll be gone anywhere for a while but yeah he's an absolute legend yeah he is he certainly is and one thing he doesn't like being called is Wiggy yeah so um, if you're calling Wiggy mate, just do it with a smile and say said Goody says call you Wiggy yeah. I guarantee he'll be like tell that fucking to fuck off yeah, I think a few lads picked up on that in the first couple of months he was here, and then he just heard a few lads at the back of the meetings be like, "Cheers, Wiggy, boy." <laughs> it, it is weird, though, isn't it? He doesn't like being called Wiggy, but he loves being called Wigsville. Like, <laughs> all right, Tyke. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, hell of a tournament. Well done on that, and best of luck uh, in the Pro 14 final against Leinster this weekend. Appreciate it. Cheers, lads. Cheers, Tyke. Last question though, before you go. I'm a massive Guinness and Blackcurrant fan. Is there anyone in Ireland in the squad that does that? Please tell me there's one boy that likes it. Damn! (laughs) Sacrilege, right? A lot of the Welsh used to do that as well. I'd be horrified. (laughs) Well, just so you know, Ty, I I don't. I never put Blackcurrant (laughs) in it. If my British and Irish Lions captain says no drinking Blackcurrant in your Guinness, I ain't doing it anymore. That's enough for me. I'll hold you to that. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, Ty. Top man. Cheers, boys. Appreciate it. Top lad. Absolute top bloke. What a player. Yeah. I mean, what a player, but what a bloke for coming on as well. We, we, as we know, and we've said it here, here before, a lot of the unions are very protective. And they're like, no, you can't go on this. You can't do that. They media controlled. Um, fair play. He's top of the world at the minute because he's played exceptionally well for Ireland. They've just dominated England and he just wants to come on the pod. He knows me. He knows me. That's why. He's got a pro 14 final this weekend. Mate, how bad are you? You thought you were that big time. You, you're walking down the street and didn't even give Tag Burn the nod and go, yeah, future Lions captain right there. I was being overwhelmed with pictures and autographs. <laughs> and it was a bit weird because I was outside the Island Hotel. I don't know why I found myself there. I was trying to get away from Johnny Sexton because I knew he was after me. And uh, yeah, and he looked at me and nodded, but I'm a massive fan of his. I didn't want to fanboy him too much, but he is... You, you talk about taking your opportunity, right? And he said it there. He was worried about 
being the 24th man, you know, trying to get into the squad, Quinn Rue being injured, you know, Henderson's been injured, obviously, before he's come back in. I mean, Ian Henderson's quality as well. He's going to go on the yeah. Lions tour as well. But the fact that Ty, whether or not he likes it or not, has played six, and you've got Marrow who can play in that role as well. Obviously, Courtney Lawrence who's injured at the minute. And we know that Warren likes that type of player. He's in, mate. It's just, I mean, name your position. Name your position. Yeah, why not? Who else can be skips? Why not? Um, <laughs> Wales lost, so Alan Wynne Jones can't be skipping now. But um, yeah, fantastic player. Uh, the modern day athlete, the humility, and he's a rugby pod listener. So <laughs> I love him. Well, we've wrapped up the Six Nations now for the weekend, unless you want to talk about Scotland and Italy, Jim. What do you mean, what do you mean unless we want to talk about them? We put 52 points, the biggest winning margin for Scotland ever against Italy. Probably the biggest win by any team in the Six Nations against Italy. Don't quote me on that, it's obviously not. But my goodness me, it was a team run. And Italy started well as well. I was scared, I'll be honest. I was a little scared. And then, again, if Italy, there were questions, and I'm, I was supporting them, all tournaments saying they were playing good rugby, young squad. Who gets 50? Uh, especially against Scotland. Especially against a team that could finish second in the Six Nations. So arguably, you can see why. I was happy for Scotland. We know it's, you know, it's tough on a six-day turnaround. Hoggy, big shout out to Hoggy. He wore his custom budgie smugglers um, in the match. The lucky pants he showed me before. Um, I said, can I put it on social? He said, no, just in case we don't put 50 on them. We did, and then I forgot to tweet it. So Because I haven't got a blue tick, no one would have seen it. But uh, Hoggy slotted into 10. It's a good option for us. Darcy Graham, quality player. Hugh Jones at 13. How quick? He's, he's one of these players, right, internationally... He's class. He's just he's just a class rugby player. It's talk of him going to Bayonne. So he played really well a couple of years ago against England and then just disappeared. I don't know Hugh Jones that well. I don't know his story of what he needs, but it looks like he needs an arm around him. Uh, if you can catch him, because he's so quick. But uh, he's a quality player. He's a class. He's yeah. got he's an outside outside bet for the for the Lions tour. I mean, I had Nick Tompkins at twelve, Hugh Jones at thirteen now as well. So don't listen to me. Matt, happy for Scotland. Hamish Watson again. Um, he's now on the plane, on the bus, in the car, on his bike at the Barbers. Hopefully not uh, before. He's, he's social social skipper, isn't he? Like he could lead the charge on the socials, I reckon. He could, if you're allowed. I don't know, will there be a COVID bubble blame China? I hope not, because it's a tour. Uh, yeah, not, not much more to Scotland. The big thing for them is six-day turnaround now. A few injuries in the squad, uh, but they've got to go to Paris and do the impossible. Well, let's wrap up the Six Nations chat now by looking at the Guinness Pint Predictor on Match Pint. How are you guys getting on? Nah, let's, look, nah, let's just leave it there. How are you getting on, Jim? I've not looked at it. You're I'm an not, embarrassment. I'm, I am. Like we've learned through this that right, you write people off and you get predictions wrong, and you're, I think you're something like fourteen thousandth, one hundred and fortieth in our league. Well, it's not fifteen thousand, is it? I'll take it. <laughs> well, if you want to get involved, there's still one more chance in this tournament, and it's going to be back for the women's Six Nations in April as well. Just download the Match Pint app from all good app stores. Predict the scores, beat your mates, win great rugby prizes. Make sure you join the UK's biggest private league with the code RugbyPod. The winner of that this weekend is going to get last year's Calcutta Cup match ball, signed by the captains Owen Farrell and Stuart Hogg. All right, shall we get your final prediction? What's going to happen this weekend, boys? France, Scotland. France by our manager. Firstly, and I know that France 
of basically five and a half days by the time they've gone to sleep on a turnaround. There shouldn't be a six-day turnaround. I'll re- reiterate that Scotland should have won this game 28-0. But the players are, the, pl- the players would rather have gone to Paris and earned that victory than been gifted it, Jim. Nah, mate. What do you mean gifted it? We, we did nothing wrong. Take what you can get given. It's ah, oh, I'm looking at the the Scotland squad. So you've got Finn back, obviously, which is going to be big. Playing in Paris, he knows the crack round there. There's no Johnny Gray. There's no Scott Cummins. France need to win by 21 points and score four tries to win the title. I just don't know. This Six Nations is so hard to call. Really, you look at France with what they can do. They turn it on when it matters against Wales. They won. You want a quick answer? I think it's going to be tough for Scotland. Let's just keep it under 50 and I'll be happy. And um, we can celebrate at home via Zoom if that is the case because we didn't finish second from bottom. It's going to be tough. I want Scotland to win, obviously. Um, France by nine. I think Scotland will make a tough game of it for them. I think we're a good team now. I genuinely do. So, I mean, Ireland, that game was the probably one where we didn't play that well. But yeah, come on, Scotland. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to go with France. They need to win by 21 points and score four tries. Uh, I don't think they've got that in them, though. I don't think they've got that in them against Look the mighty at you. Scots. Look at you. So I think it's going to be France by 20 instead of 21. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's have a quick chat about the Premiership because it was a crazy weekend, really, wasn't it? Goody. Wasps. Finally. They've won a game. How? Yeah. Um, well, th- through no help of... Um, some of the officiating, let's be honest, uh, and not necessarily the referee. They were down at half time by 12 points. Um, you know, get some players back. Launchbury made a difference. Uh, Alfie Barbary comes off the bench in the second half. Um, my God, horrific hairdo. He's got a bit of a Ned Kelly on him, but my God, has he got dad strength. Has he got kids? Mate, he's, he's about 12 years old, mate. I hope, I well, that's what not. I mean. <laughs> that's what I mean. That, he's got that. How good is that? I've got dad strength, but I ain't got no kids. <laughs> Um, yeah, he came off the bench, made a bit of a difference. Um, you know, Jimmy Gopper's experience at 10 instead of playing centre. And uh, yeah, things turned. Um, some powerful sort of ball carries in the second half to, to dominate that facet of the game. Um, the big talking point was the gouge from Carreras, the uh, the winger. And people said, oh, you, you can't call it gouging. He's lay on the floor and had a, he's looking the other way. And then he's had a look in and then shoved his hand in there and... and put his hands across his face. So he's deliberately gone in with the fingers towards the eye area um, and he should have been red carded. The problem is once you restart the game and Jimmy Gopper had a penalty, kicked it over pretty quickly. The ref didn't say, listen, we need to check this. When there's someone accusing you of a gouge, it needs to be checked. And um, I think Graham Hughes, the TMO, is definitely having a poo at that point because he can't have been watching it because it was clear as day on the TV, right? What happened on Saturday? Because there were massive wins for both Bath and Quinns and then tons of points at Sandy Park as well, wasn't there? Yeah, Leicester, to be fair, I spoke to my mate at Leicester who coaches there. Um, that's actually quite a good result for Leicester. I said there was a red card in the game for them, but the resilience, I've seen enough in Leicester now where they're definitely going in the right direction. Wigglesmith makes a massive difference. You know, the kicking game, the experience that they've got, you know, sign some South African lads, all I know is is I'm happy to see Leicester performing well. Extra good team. I mean, who knows? I'm just going to leave it at that. Look how much rugby there are. The one thing is, is the amount of games we're having to play. Well, it's, there's a lot of rugby on. And, and the other thing is, for these premiership teams, I think this is week nine on the spin or something in, term of, in terms of premiership games. So 
we need to understand and everyone watching needs to understand that the emotional energy of, of what they're doing, going back to back nine games on the spin um, is crazy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Worcester, 40-0 down at half-time away at Bath. I mean, what what's that about? Gloucester taking 59 points down at Quinns. Who takes nearly 60 points anywhere except for Saracens at the Rico Arena a couple of years ago? I mean, my goodness. India at half-time. But on the Worcester oh, yeah. one, I remember my, when I was playing Fastag Always Edinburgh and we were playing against Newport Gwent Dragons, right? And we're about 38 points down. Let's just round it up to 50 at half-time. And I remember the coach, I won't name him because he's an absolute legend. I'm going, I'm like looking around to the lads like, what the fuck, what's going on here? Like trying to give them an arousing speech to be like, let's get out there. Like the Andy Powell where he gives a speech playing against Italy and he walks into the, the mop cupboard. So I'm the same. I'm in the changing rooms trying to give the speech to the lads. And the coach said, hey, hey, calm down, big fella. Calm down, calm down. I can that, I can that, I can. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. I'm thinking, right, what we're going to do? We're just going to call 69. We're all going to kick off. We're going to play. We're going to get back out there and we're going to play. We're going to play, 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 play. Finished up 58 points to three. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the coach? Who was the coach? Name I'm not, he's a legend. He's a legend. I'm not going to say because he's a, he's, a, he's a top guy. But yeah, I mean, Paul Worcester is all I'm saying. Let's finish things off with the good, the bad and the ugly, which is brought to you by the good guys at Sons who are doing really important work helping men with one of the key health issues that doesn't often get talked about, how to keep their hair. They're a men's health brand that offers a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss and they deliver via a monthly or three monthly subscription direct to your door. It's reasonably priced and they get results in 9 out of 10 men. So just visit suns.co.uk and use the code RUGBYPOD20 to get 20 quid off your first order. That's S-O-N-S.co.uk and the code is RUGBYPOD20. Yeah, plenty of good this weekend and we're going to start off in the Guinness Pro 14 and the mighty Ospreys, Jim. Toby yeah. Booth's Ospreys with a massive victory in Leinster. I say massive victory. Massive in terms of getting a victory in Leinster is always very, very tough. But they won the game 24 points to 19 after being 19-3 down with 12 minutes left on the clock. And by doing that and winning the game, they qualify for the Champions Cup next year. So uh, fantastic performance by Toby Booth and all his men. What else was good? We'll stick in the Guinness Pro 14, Jim. And um, we'll give someone a nod in Scotland. Rufus McLean. Yay, Rufus McLean. Uh, just him on his own for that try for Glasgow against the Dragons at the Principality Stadium. I'm Blame Naz. I'm not going to talk about the performance because Glasgow lost, didn't they, Jim? But Rufus McLean, if you get a chance, Google his try against the Dragons. Oh, my wheels. Here comes a hot stepper. Uh, what else is good? The Tri-Fest in the Premiership this weekend. Uh, 52 tries were scored across the six games in the Premiership, which is the joint most in a round of Premiership rugby since 2007-2008. So lots of decent attacking rugby, not so much for the defence. Um, what else is good? Let's go to international rugby for a bit of good, Jim. And you know this guy particularly well. Dr. James Robson uh, had his 250th international at the weekend as a doctor for Scotland against Italy. That is a hell of a stint. He must be about 403 by now. All I know is he's a legend. And one, one, this one night at band camp, he stroked my head to sleep when my toe was stood on and it was throbbing 
like you've never seen in your life where I'm in tears. I had some tramadols because that's what you could have back then. And he's stroking me out to sleep because I, could, I was I was trying to chop my toe off. And he was like, you can't, don't do it. You're hard as nails, you probably would do it, but don't. So big shout out to Dr. James Robson. What an absolute legend. He had Tom Evans give him a video message. Um, but everyone was more bothered about Tom's girlfriend slash fiance um slash lover in nicole scherzinger and i think that was enough for james robson that he knew that he'd made it <laughs> yeah massive shout out to dr james robson hell of a stint that and hopefully plenty more to come uh we'll stay in international rugby and staying in the good france are going to get a mention this week uh coming back from being 10 points down with five minutes to go to keep the dream alive of winning the Six Nations. Uh, brilliant game of rugby. And we'll mention Wales as well in the Goodle. Although they lost, it was a hell of a game of rugby and something to really whet the appetite on a Saturday evening. Um, well, Wales was good. We'll go to the Premiership. And we mentioned them before, but the mighty Wasps, we'll get them in. Of course we will. We haven't won a game in ages. So Wasps, get a mention in the Goodle for beating Newcastle 20 points of 18 on Friday night up at Kingston Park. Good stuff for them. But the Goodle this week... Uh, goes to a whole country Scotland. and an individual player. It's not Scotland, Jim. Um, it is your Celtic neighbours, though. Uh, Ireland and specifically CJ Stander. Um, Ireland's overall performance was phenomenal. Uh, they've been bullied by England for the last four games. Well, they turned into the bullies this weekend. Physically dominated England and turned the tables completely with that performance. Tactically, they're on point. Physically, uh, their kicking game, the set piece, any facet of the game, they dominated England. So they get a massive shout out. Uh, and CJ Stander, what a man, announces international retirement, produces a barnstorming display, even getting up and smiling after taking it into contact. And Billy Vunapola, Curry, and someone else, can't remember who else it was, tried to absolutely blast into him. Um, he gets up smiling. He was a top ball carrier in the Six Nations uh, in four of the last five seasons, and what a way to finish your international career. Here, here. Uh The bad, um, we'll start off in the Premiership. Gloucester got hosed 59 points to 24 at Quinns, who, apart from Saracens, takes nearly 60 points at the Rico Arena. Do you remember that, Jim? Do you remember that one? Uh, who takes nearly 60, Jim, in the Prem? I don't. I mate, Blaine Sips. That's all I know. <laughs> Apparently he's off to um, Bath. Yeah, possibly, possibly. Um, that's bad. Worcester as well. They're getting a mention of the bad. We just mentioned it. 40 nil down at half time, although they did uh, come back and get a bonus point. But they conceded the bonus points. They conceded four tries within 22 minutes. Play, 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 big fella. <laughs> exactly. Um, sticking with the theme of shipping over 50, uh, Italy. Who ships 50 against Scotland? No one. When was the last time hey. Scotland put 50 on anyone? Georgia, was it? Back in the autumn there? It's just a regular occurrence for us. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but again, Italy, that's the worst Six Nations ever for them. Serious questions need to be asked now. There's got to be some sort of playoff game at some point between them and Georgia. I think Georgia have won about 400 games on the trot in the B6 Nations. So yeah, let's see if we can manufacture that through the rugby pod, eh, Jim? I'd prefer Russia. Imagine a night out in Russia. Not that it's about the nights out. Imagine a night out in Russia on the vodka. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Uh, but the bad this week uh, can only go to England, James. England. Dominated by Ireland. Um, joint highest penalties conceded in the Six Nations ever. 67 penalties. Uh, joint with Italy. Uh, most points ever conceded in the Six Nations by England. 121 points uh, only the second time we finished fifth in the Six Nations 2018 was the other time under Eddie Jones as well and we've never ever 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 
lost to Scotland, Ireland and Wales in the Six Nations. So not even when I played, when we were that shit and I was playing international rugby, have we lost to all three of them in the Six Nations. The last time we lost to all three of them in the same season was in 1976 uh, when we won the reverse triple crown or what do you call it, Jim? The triple? Triple spoon. Yeah, the triple spoon. So um, not good for England. Out-muscled, out-thought, out-coached. Um, outplayed in every facet of the game and um, some big question marks now for Eddie Jones to answer. I just wish they gave away two extra penalties and then we could have had a laugh about it. (laughs) There we go. Uh, The ugly. A few bits of ugly, actually. The online abuse, to start off with, directed at Liam Williams at the WRU highlighted. Um, You can question people's performances, but don't get abusive. Uh, Bundyaki's red card. Um, Oh, yeah, we didn't speak about that, did we? Yeah, the hit on Billy Vanapola. He's done it before as well, so he's just got to go lower. Yeah, he, he hits like that, doesn't he? He does it like that, but it's you've got to change it. Everyone knows now. It's been around for ages. You can't try and smash someone upright with your chest pointing upwards. So, um, uh, Bundyaki, love him as a player, but you just need to sort that out pretty quickly. Um, Paul Villam says, fingers in the eyes of Wynne Jones. Not a great look at all, really. Um, I think it's accidental, but it uh, doesn't matter that it's accidental. You've got to take more care. There, Paul Willemson will get a bit of a ban for that. But the worst one for me is Matteo Carreras uh, on Josh Bassett in the Wasps victory over Newcastle. He's definitely gone looking for it. He's definitely rubbed his fingers across the eyes. Um, really bad form. Watch the video replays. It is just deliberate as they come. So uh, hopefully Matteo Carreras gets a big ban for that because he deserves one. Thanks, Goody. And you've got a shout-out to finish off with, don't you, Jim? Yeah, I've got a big shout-out to do Rob Merrilees, who's a big fan of the pod, uh, from his mate Ryan Dempster. Rob sadly suffered a brain tumour this week and he's currently in the King's College Hospital, Denmark Hill, recovering. Yeah, he's fragile, but in a good spirit. So his mates have tried to send him a Venimoo burger from Mac and Wild to give him a boost, but the ward wouldn't let it in. Why not? Rob and his mates have been to live shows in the past, so a massive get well soon from all of us here at the Rugby Pod. We hope to see you back on your feet, fit and well, and we'll have a load of Veddie Moo burgers, hopefully together very soon when things are back to normal. So we're thinking of you, big fella. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Producer Tim, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, we are moving over to Spotify. Don't know if you've heard. Yeah! And something that I've seen on Twitter a few times this week because they don't want to have to pay for it it is free if you go over to spotify it's free you don't have to pay for a thing so make sure you get over there onto spotify and follow us and subscribe and check us out on youtube as well ruby pod 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 pod